Fantastic. Just want to also make you aware, um, on Monday, Monday evening, um, Pastor Colin Urquhart graduated and went to be with the God that he loves and has adored pretty much his whole life. So let's be keeping um, Clive and Jane and the family in our prayers at this time. I had, a, an, I had a phone call on Wednesday night and it was uh, God TV and they said, can we interview you tomorrow about Pastor Colin's life as, as a, a friend of his? I said, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, they said to me during the interview, you must be very, very sad. And I said, I am sad, but it's almost like a selfish sad because I won't be able to hang out with him anymore. I said, but actually all sadness is washed away by the look on his face when he saw Jesus. Because all he wanted to do was to be with Jesus. And I believe that Pastor Colin is dancing in the courts of glory now with his Jesus. And uh, let's keep his family in our prayers. Amen. Fantastic. Good. I'm going to be talking today about having a correct approach to God. And uh, I'm going to be using two passages of Scripture. I'm going to be looking at Psalms 100, just to give you a warning if you've got your Bibles with you. And also a little bit later looking at 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, all right? So we're going to be looking at Psalm 100 and then going over to 1 Samuel. I believe that having a correct approach to God is a key thing. Can somebody else agree? Yeah? We had a brilliant uh, meeting last week and Pastor Stu brought an incredible word. I thought it was an incredible word. The power was in its simplicity. Um, talking about the love of God, the love of God, how we can experience the love of God. And then also, um, he spoke about how God's love is very much like the love of a father. And I know that many lives were touched by that, that message by Pastor Stuart last week. Now, the, re- the reality or the conclusion of what Stuart shared last week is this. And this is a great conclusion. We have a heavenly father who adores us. We have, that's the conclusion that I took from Stuart's message last week. But not just me. We have a heavenly father who loves us and adores us. But I also believe that we need to understand not only does he love us and adore us, but he's qualified us and invited us to come to him in prayer, but also fellowship. God doesn't want a prayer list relationship with you. He wants fellowship with you. Now the word fellowship like we've shared when we've spoken about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The word fellowship means the sharing of life, shared life together. Isn't that incredible that we have a heavenly Father that loves us, but also wants us to share his life, and he wants to share our life. Now, it just keeps getting better. And he qualified us in Christ to be able to do so. Because what God did through his son made the unholy holy, the unrighteous righteous, those who could not approach because of their sin, he now beckons us, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden. Why? He removed the argument at the cross. So we've got, let's keep building this because this just keeps getting better. We've got a God who loves us, he adores us, And the best comparison of a father's love is that of a father's love. He's qualified us to be able to come into his presence, to have a time of prayer where there's no guilt, no condemnation, but also 
he welcomes us to come. Isn't that amazing? Now, I believe we should always have a correct approach as we're coming to God. Now, if we're coming just to spend time with the Lord, to pray or to enjoy fellowship with him, we can't forget that I believe there's an etiquette when you're dealing with the King of Kings. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about fear that makes you run from him. I'm talking just a reverence in our heart for who he is. Now, I'm reminded, I was reading this week uh, from the book of Esther, that it's an incredible story, the book of Esther, how Esther suddenly had a moment of opportunity where she was able to bring salvation and freedom to the Jewish people. But she married a king. But when you read about Esther and her approach to the king, even though, in modern terminology, it was now her old man, she didn't come strolling in casual. Why? Because as well as being her husband, he was also the king. And when you see Esther approach the king, he extends a scepter of righteousness, which is comparison to us now having Christ extended to us. And the king would say, come on in, Esther. And there was an etiquette that she would come before the king, knowing she was loved, the king loved Esther, knowing she was welcome. And I really believe that sometimes believers don't enjoy or experience the presence of God as good as they could because they don't have a good approach. Now, number one, we need to approach him as our heavenly father. And that blesses my heart so much that when Jesus said, when you pray, he didn't say, pray the father of Jesus. He said, pray our father. So when God wants us to approach him, we approach him knowing he's not mean, he's not brutal, he's not abusive, he's a loving father beyond anything we've imagined, and he bids us now come. But also I believe that we also at the same moment approach him as the creator, God of the universe. Now sometimes we can become over-familiar and out of balance, and it affects our approach and what we get from prayer. Everybody with me? So when we approach the Lord, I believe on one part of us, there should be this, oh, you're my father in heaven. You're Abba. You're daddy God. But also at the same time, you're the creator. There's an awe in my life about you. You're not Charlie or Johnny down the street. You're the God who flung universes and stars into being. Forget this evolution rubbish. You created it all. And now I get to come before you, not just to pray, but also spend time with you. Now, I believe there should be an honour and a reverence because he deserves that. But I also want to talk today about knowing that we can approach because we are not worms in his sight. We're not sinners. If you've believed in Christ, you're now a saint. So again, these are all good roots and things we need to remember if we want a healthy approach with God. He's our Heavenly Father that adores us. He's also the creator of the universe. But we're not trespassers in his presence. Why? Because that which made us a sinner was dealt with in Christ. We are now saints. Isn't that awesome? Look at your husband and call him Saint Freddy or, 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 or Saint, Saint Stuart, Saint Nacho, 
Some of you are struggling with this, but that's how Paul introduced the church to each other. You're not a saint when you've been dead for 200 years and somebody gives you an award at a ceremony. When your life is placed in Christ, you become a saint and you're no longer a sinner. Now, you may be a saint who sins, but you're not a sinning sinner. All right? You may be a saint who sins, but you're not a sinning sinner. Because the sinner, Romans 6, died on the cross in Christ, right? Everybody with me? So again, we're talking about our approach to God. We approach him as our heavenly father who adores us and loves us. He's our father who raises us, also Abba, Daddy God. We approach him as the creator of the universe. We approach him not knowing, uh, knowing that we're not trespassing. We approach him knowing that we're not going to get kicked out of his presence, but we're welcome. But also, I want to talk about another pathway into his presence that's taught us in the book of Psalms. And it involves thanksgiving and praise. All right? Thanksgiving and praise. When we read in Psalms 100, we read, I believe, of a roadmap, a route, that comes from an invitation to come to him. But it gives us a clear image of the way we should approach him One, because of who he is, but two, if you want to see the miracles he wants you to see. So, okay, turn your Bibles to Psalm 100. It's only a a small chapter. I'm going to read the whole lot to you because there's some great nuggets when it comes to approaching God correctly. Psalm 100. If you're in your physical Bible, flick those beautiful pages. Love the sound of pages flicking. Come on, if you've got a Bible, flick those pages for me. If you've got a gadget, then just, just... do what you do, just, just flick your finger. If you've got a page, flick the page. If you've got a gadget, flick your finger. It's just lovely when you're a preacher hearing the rustling of a real Bible. Anyway, let's carry on. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. That's what we've done today, isn't it? We brought a shout. Oh, church is too loud. We're only being obedient to Psalm 100. It says, shout for joy, not misery. Well, I like to be miserably quiet. No, sorry, that's not what praise is. Quiet misery is not praise. It says that we come with a shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, not some of you when you feel like it. And then it says in verse 2, after you've brought your shout to the Lord... Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. Approach him with joyful, not misery, joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Isn't that incredible? God says to me, uh, says to us, come with praise. Come on, get the shackles off. Blow the cobwebs off of your life by coming when we gather together, but when we approach him alone. Come with praise. But come knowing he's the God who created the universe and he's the one who made us. None of this evolution garbage. God made us. We were created by a creator God that created us because he loved us. It is he who made us. We are his. 
We're the people, the sheep of his pasture. This is a bit I'm getting to, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and ever. Come on, Stuart shared on that last week. For the Lord is good and his love endures, continues, keeps on coming like a freight train forever and ever. Even when you stop loving him, his love endures and keeps on coming towards you. Even when you walk away from him, he never walks away from you. He never stops loving you because his love for you endures forever and ever and ever. It's not dependent on your part. It's not dependent on your performance. It's not dependent if you prayed for five minutes or five hours. His love is dependent on him and it endures forever and ever. His faithfulness continues through all and every generation. Some great nuggets there. Let's grab some highlight nuggets from this incredible chapter. Number one, we come before him with joyful songs. That's why we have the model that we do on Sunday mornings. Now, we wouldn't be illegal or upsetting to heaven if we started with worship every now and then. And we do. But the Bible says that there's a route to God. That we come through praise. We come through praise into worship, into presence. It's amazing that you can have a meeting like this and you can talk to someone in the coffee hall afterwards and you can say, did you have a good time with God in your church family today? And they'll turn around to you and they'll go, oh, it was awesome. I just felt him so close. It was amazing. Then you go to someone else and say, did you enjoy church? No, I got nothing from it. Could it be? It wasn't the church, the worship team, but your approach was off? Could it be? that you didn't spend time in praise, you never invested thankfulness and worship, so you didn't experience the presence, it's not about the love of God, the presence that you could have. That's why I always want to be a ferocious praiser and a worshiper that's sold out for him, amen? Got any friends out there? So we come before him with joyful songs, knowing he is our God and our maker, And we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We give thanks for what he is and what he's done. And we give praise for who he is and what he's promised us. That's only rain, it's not special effects or anything like that. Just just rain. (laughs) Now thanksgiving and praise, not need and begging. We enter his gates, we come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. But how many times do we enter his presence in a hurry with begging and need? That we slide into his presence for a couple of moments and say, Hi God, got a busy day, I need this, I need this, this is going wrong, I need this. All right, see you this time tomorrow, bye. Come on, we've all done that. But that's not the etiquette that he deserves Or what's going to give us a correct route into knowing him in a moment like we could? Why? Because the Bible says we enter his gates 
with a heart that's filled with thanksgiving, that lips are filled with thanksgiving, and then into his courts with praise. Now, there may well be prayer requests in your life. I'm not saying that there's not. We've all got stuff going on in our lives and in our families. I'm not saying that we don't bring prayer requests to God. The Bible says that we should bring our petitions to him. What I'm speaking of is how we come in to his presence. We shouldn't slide in like spoiled children. We shouldn't stroll in like um, ignorant kids. We should come in and go, Lord, today, I'm going to get my approach right. It doesn't take hours, but I'm coming today thanking you for who you are, thanking you for all that you've already done, praising you, God, that it doesn't matter what I'm seeing. You're at work doing good, like you said in Romans 8, for my good. Now, I believe <coughs> that thanksgiving is the backswing that fuels your now and gives you the momentum for your next. Now, I heard this analogy. It was by Bill Johnson from Bethel in the church there in California. I thought, Bill, I'm stealing that. Still, I'm stealing. I'm having that. Because he compared it to a game of golf. Now, you could also compare it to, some of you are a little bit worried. You thought I was going to start to do some practice. You could also compare it to tennis, baseball, a number of sports. But I need, I need a mic holder. Gabby, will you come and be my mic holder for me? Come on. This is Gabby. <coughs> now, you, you better stand that way, Gabby. There. You see, when it comes to golf, If you want to propel something successfully into the forwards, you don't go... Actually, the strength of what you do comes from a backswing. And your backswing gives you everything you need for the moment that you're in, but also, watch the leg, everywhere you're going. I didn't bring any balls with me, you're safe. What I want to do is put to you, members of the jury, maybe our prayer life is just like we're putting. Because we don't have the backswing that we need to create the momentum of impact and the drive for what we need next. Thanksgiving and praise is the backswing of your time with the Lord. That stops you just, this is a lot of Christians. I'm not feeling much happen. It's not going very far. It's because you've got no backswing so what happens we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise the next thing that happens is there's an impact in the moment we're in and we find our drive for what we need God to do next does that make sense so, thanksgiving and praise, and when I heard Bill Johnson share that, I thought, I am so stealing that. 
whether it's tennis or golf, we've got to have backswing if you want great effect. In your walk with God, in your prayer life, if you want your prayers to work as they could, if you want your prayers to have the momentum and the force that they could, you've got to make sure that you've got correct backswing. What's the backswing? You enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. Thank you, God. You know, when you're backswinging, thank you that you've healed me before. Thank you for what you've done with my family. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that when it was over, it wasn't over. Thank you for the history of what you've been and done in my life. And now I stand here in a place of praise. Oh, God, I'll get to asking to some stuff in a moment, but I just want to... I want to enter correctly. I want to give you what you're due. I want to give you the praise that you deserve. And then we can talk about some prayers at the end and they'll probably even be gone by the time we get to them. Now, it adds to your now and your next the testimony of what's already been done. And it's a strength, it is, because when you begin to remember... When you begin to remember, faith lifts in your heart. Now, if you come to God in prayer and you just say, almost like you haven't seen him do anything, well, God, if you could help me out, that would be really neat. That may work some, but I tell you, when you begin to take some time, Father, I thank you. Yeah, I've got some needs, Lord, but first off, I want to thank you for that time that that was happening with my children and you broke through. I want to thank you, Lord, where it looked like we'd financially had it, and then you came through. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've been faithful to me when I've not been faithful to you. Suddenly, faith begins to rise. Why? Because you're bearing witness to what is already done and you've forgotten about. Then faith arises and you begin to praise him. Come on, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Suddenly faith begins to rise. And you have a momentum for the next that's coming. It adds to your life for testimony and takes it from a prayer of, will you do this, God? Now stay with me because this was going to be the message of the, mes- the, the title of the message today. I was going to call it, this also Lord, this also Lord. Any prayer in your life for something now in the future shouldn't be, will you do it Lord? But rather it should be, this also Lord. Like you did in my yesterday, like you did last week, like you did 20 years ago. You're still God. You're still faithful. Lord, the prayers that I didn't know if you would answer, you answered them. And I come to you today, Lord, and say, this also, Lord. This also, Lord. Nothing's impossible for you. You've proved yourself time and time again. You did it when it looked impossible. I come to you today, Father, thanking you and praising you for who you are and what you've done. And I simply say, this also, Lord, this also, Lord. Now, when you're doing that, you're now praying from a place of victorious remembrance. 
You've got a drive behind you. You've got momentum with you. You're not pitching cold, putting. Will you do it? Will you do it? That's, that's what a lot of Christians are like when they pray. They wonder why nothing gets off the ground. Will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it? Rather than, this too, Lord. Come on. God wants us to be in his presence. God wants us to enter his presence in faith. How do we create faith? By remembering what he's already done. Now, I want to talk to you, some of you may never have heard this before, about raising your Ebenezer. Whoa. Get in your Ebenezer in position. Some of you are like, Ebenezer? He's the guy in the Christmas carol. You're talking about Ebenezer Scrooge. What's he got to do with me? He comes out in December, Ebenezer. Andy, what are you on about? Now, Ebenezer is actually in the Bible. And there's a moment where you see Samuel, who was leading the nation, stop in the journey of Israel and put a, gra- a stone in the ground. And he said, this stone is called Ebenezer. Now, I was introduced to Ebenezer very early on in my walk with the Lord. I was about 10 years old. And many of you know, my family came to Christ when I was nine. And I was in the house of God till 16. Then I went stupid from 16 to 24. Then I came back and that's all she wrote. I can remember being in church and I can see Irene Keeping. I can see Lorna. I can see different people that were in the church that I was in. And during the meeting, you would always have somebody that would speak in tongues, somebody would interpret. As a child, it was a lot more formalised than this, even though we thought we were really free. But there was always a moment, normally once a month, where a dear brother would get up and his name was L.B. Shaw. And L.B. Shaw was this big guy and he had this booming voice, this rosy face. He was loud. And I'd be there like 10 years old, like colouring on the chair or doing something, getting up to uh, no good or something, you know. And I'd think, all right, this person hasn't spoken in tongues yet. Oh, okay. This one's, okay. And then all of a sudden I think, we haven't heard from LB for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden you'd hear LB Shaw jump up. And I remember one week I heard him go, Lord! I raise my Ebenezer. And so I'm on the floor there, I'm on the floor colouring or drawing something. Ebenezer? What's he doing raising his Ebenezer? What is his Ebenezer? What's Elby doing? And who's Ebenezer? Why is he raising it? And I don't know if I went home and asked my parents or I asked somebody else, but I eventually did say, could someone answer me this question? Who and what is Ebenezer? And then it was explained to me from these verses in 1 Samuel that it was a very specific stone that was set in place to cause God's people to remember all that God had already done. You all wanted me to read the verse now, right? 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12. Now, remember, Samuel's leading the nation. This is moments before Israel get a little bit leery and say, give us a king, give us a king. Other nations have got kings, give us a king. And God's going, you don't need a king, you've got me. And so Samuel's in between God and the people. They're saying, give us a king, you don't need a king. And in the end, God says, oh, just give them what they want, they'll regret it later. And so Samuel's leading the people of Israel in this moment before 
a king is positioned. And they're in battles all the time. They're constantly fighting the Philistines. The Philistines could be um, an image or a type of an attack on your life. The children of Israel had been brought out of captivity, but they were constantly fighting. That's what life feels like, right? Sometimes, Dan, sometimes it's just like a constant fight. But you know that God's with you. You know that God's with you. And so Samuel stops in a moment where he's come out of a battle. He's got backswing. And he's going into another battle. But he stops. And it says in verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah, where he's come from, and Shen, where he was heading. He named it Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far the Lord has always helped us. So the Philistines were subdued again and did not invade Israel territory again. This was a finalizing moment, but before he went into battle, he took a moment to remember all that God had done in the journey of Israel. And then he made a request that had a power to change everything. You see, Israel had had an epic journey. Come on, you know this stuff. It's not like God did once something on a Wednesday and some people missed it. You read the Bible, God brought them out of captivity. He parted oceans to bring them through. He fed them for 40 years. The the shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. He gave them a cloud by day and a fire by night. And the Bible records all the things that God constantly did for Israel because he loved his people. What was the problem? Israel kept forgetting. And they kept approaching God And treating God like he hadn't done anything. Like he'd abandoned them. That he was going to let them die. So Samuel, as a prophet, says, we're going to stop this nonsense. And he puts a stone in the ground. Now, when you look up the word Ebenezer, it means stone of help. Or stone of remembrance. It was a stone that said, we will not forget. We will not forget forget in the moment of now that looks so confusing we can hear the Philistines about to attack us again we will not forget how in our history and in our past time and time again he did it again when we were captives he set us free when we were stranded he brought us out when we were cornered he gave us victory And that God is going to drive us into victory in our future. You getting something this morning? Now this is something that was characteristic to Jewish people in that time. They took time to remember and give thanks for who God was. Any feast that you see a Jewish person does like um, Shabbat on a Friday night, or any of the feasts that a Jewish person still does, everything in the feast reminds you, gives you a backswing 
of something God did in your yesterday. Even if you weren't there, in the yesterday of your people, in the yesterday of your family. And it brings them to a remembrance so that they can approach God. We need to be like that. You know, when I went to Israel quite a few years ago now and was looking around at how things were done and visiting some key places, hey, who would like to go on an Israel tour one day? That could be fun, couldn't it, right? If we did a family church kind of tour. Ignore all the sites that really are nothing and go to the ones that are important and just have a whole bunch of fun worshipping Jesus. That could be a lot of fun. Stuart, get that sorted. No, you're joking. That's a big task. But somewhere in our future. Hey, we're coming up next October. We're 25 years old. Isn't that incredible? But when I pray for the family church now, when I pray, I don't pray from the moment I'm in. I say, Lord, I remember when there were 12. You grew us to 40. I remember when there was 40 and you grew us to 70. I remember when we were 70 and you planted us out in different parts. God, I remember when we couldn't get a building and you gave us the Empower Center. And then I pray for our now and our tomorrow. When I pray for my life, I actually think generationally, because don't worry, I'm not going to hit anyone. Um, You see, children in a Jewish household are taught the stories of what God did by their fathers and their grandparents. Because Israel knew that the world was going to try and wipe them out and remove the memory of what God did for them as a people. And so they made a decision, this is true, and they've got a tradition that the grandparents and the parents sit with the children and remind them and let them know all that God did in the history of Israel. We need to do that in our lives. You know, when we come to pray, it's not just Andy. There's a history to the Elmses. We were a first generation of Elmses, really, to get born again. That was my mum and dad. When I bring my thanksgiving, I'm like, thank you, God, that you brought a broken marriage into a church. Like, how long ago was that? Like 40, 50, 100 years ago or something, Dad? How long was that? Is you awake? (laughs) Years ago, right? 40 years ago. Thank you, Lord, that you saved my mum and dad and you saved me and my brother. Thank you, Lord, that you brought me and my brother to a relationship, just like you brought mum and dad to a relationship with you. You brought me. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles I saw in my family. Thank you for my cousins. My, my, sister, my cousin Elise is sitting there. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for all you... And it brings, now this, Lord. Now this, Lord. Now this, Lord. We've got to understand that Paul also taught that in all things we give thanks. Now let's not be stupid about this. He doesn't say for all things. You know, if you've got a bunion on your toe, you're not going to go, thank you for the bunion, Lord. That's ridiculous. It's not for all things. You never thank God for a cancer or a sickness. In all things we give thanks. Because in giving thanks, faith, is awoken within us for the battle still ahead. So Paul wasn't saying, for everything give thanks. That would be ludicrous. ludicrous. He's saying, in all things. When the sun's shining and when the sun's not shining. When you're having a mountaintop experience, but this one feels more like a valley. In all things. 
When things are easy street and you just got to think it and God answers the prayer. And when things aren't easy street and you're pushing in, you're looking for God's answer. You're looking for the wind to move, something to happen in all things. Not for all things, in all things. In the things we understand and the things we don't. In all things. We give thanks. Because thanksgiving and praise are the backswing that gives us the force and the momentum to strike the moment we're in and cause a success and a home run in the future we've not yet stepped into. So I want to encourage you, church. Let's be a church that loves thanksgiving and praise. In our worship when we're together, let's be a people that loves our love our thanksgiving and praise. Let's, let's never try and cut stuff out of our meeting if it means we're cutting out, giving God thanks that he deserves and praise that he's due. But I also want to encourage you, let's get the band up. We, we just need to go out worshipping today. We, we need to go out. I want, I, want to, um, I want us to sing that song, You. It's you who breaks the chains, it's you. I love that song because it reminds us of who he's been in our yesterday and gives us faith for who he is in our now and confidence of who he will be in our tomorrow. Did you get something today? All right, as the band is teeing up to bring us into worship, keeping it topical, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, that's just one prayer. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know about all this, but I do know I need... I need something or someone beyond what I've known. My friend, that's God. That's God. Maybe you're here today and you once knew Jesus. Or you had something going with Jesus, but you lost it. That's okay. We've all had moments like that, hey? I did. What matters is the decision you make right now. You can't change what lays behind you. But you really can change what lays ahead of you. And the most powerful decision you can ever make that will change your future. I'm thinking of my mum and dad. It didn't just change their future. It changed mine and my children's future. Is will you let him be the king of your life? Will you bring your life to him in fresh surrender? And like we sung earlier, say, you can have it all, Lord even the bits I wasn't going to give you. I want to lead us in a prayer today and then give a non-tacky, non-embarrassing opportunity for someone to say yes to Jesus. Would you pray with me today? Thank you, Father, that you let Jesus die on a cross. Die on a cross that I could have a new beginning. I come to you by invitation. And I believe that Jesus died for me. To give me a fresh start. Cause all my sin to be forgiven. Cause me to be born anew. I receive salvation today. Amen.
just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never prayed a prayer like that, or maybe you have and you've been away, and you want to say, that's what I did today for me, Andy. I did that for me today. I, I don't want to embarrass you in any way or form, but I do want to give you an opportunity to own it. I want you to own that prayer. I'm going to count to three, and as I count to three, if you've never prayed that prayer or you've been away from God, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. That's it. That's all I'm going to ask. One, two, three. Is there anyone today and you don't know where you stand with God? You don't know where you stand with God. Oh, come on. We need to start bringing some of our friends and family, eh? We need to start seeing loads of hands going up on a Sunday from people that don't yet know him. But if that's you today, it can all change in this moment. It's going to give you one last opportunity if there's anyone. Let everyone that's in the sound of my voice know that they belong to God and they're lovers of God. If not, raise your hand. You've got nothing to lose. Father, I thank you today for this word that you've spoken to our heart concerning our etiquette in approaching you. Forgive us for when we've just stumbled in, Lord, with not much regard at all. Today we say we're going to begin to be a people that remember. We're going to be a people that have an Ebenezer stone in our lives. We're going to enter your gates, God, whenever we come to spend time with you, Father. We're going to come through thanksgiving and praise. And as we do, faith comes alive for anything in our tomorrows. Amen.